Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. everyone, this is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Today, we are following up and continuing our endocrine series, and we'll be talking about hyperthyroidism. So we talked about hypothyroidism a few weeks back. Now we're talking about the flip side of that. So quick tip, when you're studying endocrine disorders, I always like to study them together with their counterpart if there is one, like low cortisol syndrome with high cortisol syndrome. So think about that. You have hypothyroid, hyperthyroid. So when you're studying endocrine, if you can bunch things together like that, it will really help you study and learn and understand all the signs, symptoms, and treatments. Okay, so hyperthyroidism, that's going to come into play when the thyroid gland is producing too much thyroid hormone. Remember, hypothyroidism, it's not producing enough or it's not converting things properly. So we're going to go through hyperthyroidism with the latte method the same way we did the hypothyroidism. So if you don't know what the latte method is, great. This is a perfect introduction to it for you. But if you really want to dive into it, there's a whole podcast about it by itself as well as a blog post. So just go to the website, straightanursingstudent.com, do a little search for latte and a bunch of stuff will come up. So a quick overview before we jump into the latte method is that Graves' disease, which is that most common form of hyperthyroidism, that occurs when the thyroid gland is producing too much of that thyroxine, which is T4. So this can be inherited or it can be a result of autoimmune factors. You may often see it in coordination with other endocrine disorders. So keep on the lookout for things like diabetes mellitus or hyperparathyroidism and thyroiditis when you're looking at Graves' disease, hyperthyroidism. So that biggest complication of Graves' or hyperthyroidism is what's called thyrotoxicosis. And when it's really bad, it's called the thyroid storm. So we'll talk about that life-threatening condition in a bit. Just know that it can lead to renal failure, cardiac failure, and liver failure. It is dangerous and deadly. So let's go through the latte acronym and talk about hyperthyroidism and that thyrotoxicosis complication. So the L in latte stands for how will the patient look when you observe them, when they come in and start telling you what their problems are, 
any of that is covered under this L in the LATTE acronym. How do they look? How do they present? So the patient with hyperthyroidism is going to have a lot of different signs and symptoms. They not, won't necessarily have all of these, but it's a collection of different signs and symptoms. So a lot of times these patients will have a goiter, which is an enlarged thyroid gland. It's going to be at the anterior neck and look just like an area of localized swelling. The patient might also feel very nervous, have a noticeable tremor, say that they're anxious, having labile mood swings, things like that could be associated with too much of that T4 thyroxine hormone. They also could have weight loss. Even if they're saying they're hungry all the time, they're eating a lot, they could have weight loss with this as well. They could be intolerant to heat or excessively sweating even when it's not that warm. Their hair could be fine or thinning, may even be prematurely gray. And speaking of dermal symptoms, their fingernails could be very, very thin. They could have heart palpitations going all the way into a sustained tachycardia. They might have diarrhea, be very nauseous, vomiting even. They might have trouble concentrating as well. Women could have menstrual irregularities and patients often report shortness of breath with exertion that does not match the level of exertion that they gave, like going up a flight of stairs would cause shortness of breath that would be concerning to them. And then there's this whole group of ophthalmologic abnormalities called Graves' ophthalmopathy. And this includes things like exophthalmos, which is that bulging eye, pressure in the eye, inflammation, double vision. They could be very sensitive to light. A lot of times these patients will complain that they have a feeling of like sand or grit in their eye. And then they could also have areas of thick skin over the dorsum of the legs and the feet. So um, like around the shins. So this could be also very hyperpigmented or slightly hyperpigmented. It's thickish and it can be itchy. So that's how your general patient with hyperthyroidism could look. Now, what if they've gone over into thyrotoxicosis or thyroid storm? So they're going to have more significant signs and symptoms. So rather than just palpitations, they may have significant tachycardia. They might be very moist, warm, flushed skin because they have a high fever Often this fever can rise very rapidly and reach fatal levels. It can get up to 106 degrees. That is not uncommon. So that's 106 Fahrenheit, which is about 41-ish degrees Celsius. They may have chest pain, angina. They may be vomiting. They could be incredibly irritable, very nervous, have visible tremors. They may have shortness of breath at rest. A cough could be present, and they may even have edema in their extremities. So if you look at the symptoms for hyperthyroidism and you make them more significant, then you can easily remember the symptoms of thyrotoxicosis or thyroid storm.
I would say for hyperthyroidism, the key things that will most likely be on your exams are the goiter, the weight loss, the heat intolerance. I think maybe the thin fingernails I saw a few times, the heart palpitations, and the bulging eye, the exophthalmos. And for the thyrotoxicosis, I would say probably the main things to remember is the significant tachycardia and that high, high, high fever. So how are we going to assess our patient who has Graves' disease? So we're going to monitor basically the severity of their symptoms. We're going to keep a track of their weight. We're going to see if they have a goiter. We want to look at their eyes and see if they are having any ophthalmologic problems. Make sure that they're seeing someone, probably seeing an ophthalmologist to follow that sort of thing. If you feel their pulses, you may notice that they're fast because they're having palpitations or tachycardia. And often they're considered bounding, which is a very strong pulse. A lot of times these patients will have a systolic murmur, so you may hear that as you listen to their heart. And if you auscultate their abdomen, you're likely to hear increased motility with hyperactive bowel sounds all over the place. Remember, this patient's having nausea, they're having diarrhea, they may even be vomiting hyperactive activity in the bowels. And then another important assessment is to listen to their thyroid gland. If you can hear a brewy, which is like a whoosh, whoosh kind of sound at that thyroid gland, that's abnormal. And it could mean that the patient is having a thyrotoxic crisis at this time. So if your patient is in crisis, having that thyroid storm, you're also going to be carefully following their temperature. You're also going to have them on a heart monitor, following their heart rate, following their rhythm, Keep track of that blood pressure, their respiratory rate, the respiratory effort. Remember, they're feeling very short of breath, so also an eye on their oxygen saturation level as well. So how will we know what diagnostics we're going to be doing? The next T is for tests. What tests will be ordered? There's a bunch of different tests that can be done for a patient with Graves' disease, the one that you're going to have on your exams is basically the thyroid function test, which is the TSH and the T4. So when your patient has hyperthyroidism, they will have a high T4, which is thyroxine, with either a low or non-existent TSH level. So remember, TSH is the stimulating hormone. It's going to be low because the thyroxine levels are high. There's no need to stimulate the production of more. We have plenty. We have too much. So that T4 level will be high and the TSH level will be low. The patient could also have ultrasounds to look for nodules. They can do things like scans of the thyroid to see how much iodine uptake it's participating in. It's called the radio iodine uptake test, and it's going to show how much iodine the thyroid has absorbed after a certain number of hours. And if that number is high, then it is a sign that the gland is producing too much thyroxine. So um, just know that there's a lot of different tests. The main ones are going to be the standard uh, thyroid function test, the TSH, the T4, maybe an ultrasound to look for nodules and um, possibly a radioiodine uptake test of some kind. You also could anticipate ophthalmologic exams, like an ophthalmologic ultrasound to look at the eyes. You may have this patient 
getting their calcium levels monitored because the parathyroid gland could be involved. And as you know, calcium is a part of the parathyroid gland. And then serum cholesterol levels may be decreased. Remember, in hypothyroidism, they can be increased. So that's why it's important to learn these conditions in tandem because oftentimes it's just the opposite of the other one and then it's really easy to remember things. So in a thyrotoxic crisis, you may have an ABG ordered, which is going to give you a lot of information about the patient's acid-base balance and their oxygenation level can help you determine if they're getting into serious trouble. So what treatments are we providing for our patient who has hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease? So mainly, the patient's going to be taking antithyroid medication. So these meds basically antagonize that thyroid hormone. Methamazole is one, and this other one I can't pronounce, propylthyracil. These both block the synthesis of the thyroid hormone hormone. Pregnant patients will want to take the lowest possible dose and will most likely be prescribed the lowest possible dose to prevent fetal hypothyroidism from developing, which can happen. The usual course of medication for these patients is six months to about two years, not necessarily needing to be on it forever, which is very interesting. So you also want to have your patient possibly with a medication to manage their tachycardia and prevent a thyroid storm. So propan, I never can pronounce it. Propanolol is typically the drug that is used for this. It is a beta blocker. What do beta blockers do to heart rate in the sympathetic nervous system? They block it. So it's going to help block that SNS response that can occur, thyroid um, storm and that significant tachycardia. Patients may also get radioactive iodine, a single dose of this. It's basically only given in patients who are not planning to have children since that iodine can collect in the gonads. So note that if this were a test question, it would be very common test question for it to be about a patient of reproductive age or who's planning to have children in the future. Some patients may need a second dose, but symptoms will typically start to subside about six to eight weeks after treatment. So Generally, it's a one-dose thing for people not having kids. And then you could also just have surgical removal of the thyroid or partial removal of the thyroid. So uh, patients with goiter, this would be indicated for them most likely, or patients who have not responded to medication therapy. They're just not doing well with those thyroid hormone antagonists. And then for the eyes, for that Graves ophthalmopathy, this is topical meds, corticosteroids, and patient could even have to have surgical decompression if it's very severe. And that just sounds really painful and awful. Now, if the parathyroid gland is all caught up in this and that is removed, the patient may need uh, long-term calcium supplementation. So what if your patient's having that thyrotoxic crisis? What treatments are we giving them? Obviously, we're going to have a much more specialized, much more intense approach with this patient. This patient is probably going to be in intensive care. This condition is serious and obviously can be fatal as we've talked about. So antithyroid medications, 
Okay, perfect. That's great. What else? Iodides can block the release of thyroid hormones, so they may be getting that. They could be on corticosteroids because corticosteroids inhibit that T3 to T4 conversion. So that would help. It's also going to replace cortisol that is being used up during this crisis. Remember when the body gets into that stress mode, your cortisol levels go up. You don't want to completely fatigue the adrenal glands and have the uh, cortisol levels completely depleted because then that is very bad for the patient as well. So they may be getting it replaced. Propranolol, that beta blocker is going to block the sympathetic nervous system, help keep that tachycardia under control, maybe mitigate the thyrotoxic crisis a little bit, keep it from getting worse. Antipyretics for the fever, ice packs to the groin and the axilla. And oxygen, if they need it, intubation, if they need it with mechanical ventilation, if the patient goes into respiratory distress. Psychosis can occur in thyrotoxic crisis, so the patient may even need to be sedated. Um, and then plasmapheresis is something that could be used when the other therapies have not produced um, the result that everybody wants, which is for this crisis to pass. All right. How are we going to educate our patient who has Graves' disease? So if they've got the Graves' ophthalmopathy, the eye problems, they're going to need to keep their eyes lubricated. So using eye drops, maybe using a lubricating gel. Lubricating gel is really slimy and it's hard to see if you've got lubricating gel in your eye, but it puts this film. So I would advise patients if they're going to use lubricating gel, that would be great at nighttime and eye drops would be great during the day if they had the choice of both. They want to avoid putting their head down because that can put extra pressure on the eyes. So no downward facing dog, no head stands. They want to avoid that position. They need to wear sunglasses when they're outdoors. That's going to protect their eyes from the sun, from debris, from the wind. Um, they also need to stop smoking if they are smoking because smoking just makes the condition worse. Regular exercise is helpful for these patients. It can reduce anxiety. It can build their bone density and their muscle mask muscle mass, sorry, and benefit their cardiovascular system as a whole. So it's very good for them to exercise. When they're taking their antithyroid meds, they can cause GI distress. So taking them with mills can help minimize that. And then patients that are having a lot of weight loss, they may need to be advised to eat more frequently, eat calorie dense foods, things like that until their thyroid numbers get under control and that weight loss is kind of slowing down, you want to advise them to avoid excessively palpating their thyroid gland. If a patient's got an enlarged thyroid gland, they may be feeling it all the time to see if it's getting bigger, but overstimulation of that gland can precipitate a thyroid crisis situation. So ask them to avoid that, please. They also are well advised to balance Rest with activity. Don't overdo it. Try to avoid stress. Try to get adequate sleep. Their body is under so much stress as it is, and sleep and rest are very important. Teach the patient if they're having a total thyroidectomy, they're going to need thyroid replacement hormones forever. And we talked about those replacement hormones in the hypothyroid discussion. 
And then if the patient does have that radioactive iodine therapy, just tell them that their saliva is going to be radioactive for a little bit. I think it's about 24 hours, so they need to cover their mouth when they're coughing or expectorating and not share their saliva with anyone, please. And then if the patient has that exophthalmos, just one more thing about the eyes, they may want to wear eye patches, like those eye patches that are kind of domed um, to avoid accidental abrasion of their eye. If it's in both eyes, obviously they probably don't want to walk around all day with eye patches on, but when they're sleeping, that would be a great time. And if one eye is worse than the other and they want to just wear one on one eye, they can do that as well. So just a quick overview because we already talked about hypothyroidism. I want to just do a cute little or a quick little well, it's probably cute too, but a quick little back and forth between hypo and hyper so you can really dial in all the key data that you need to know. So let's talk signs and symptoms. For hypo, remember, swollen face, tired, gaining weight, outer third of the eyebrows could be very thin, slow thought processes, intolerant to cold. Okay, now let's think about hyperthyroidism. Think about the opposite side of that coin, right? They're nervous. Their heart is racing. They're losing weight. They've got mood swings. They could have that goiter. They have the bulging eyes and they're intolerant to heat. So signs and symptoms for both. The diagnostics for hypothyroidism is that high TSH level. For hyper, the TSH is low or not at all. T4 is elevated, thyroxine elevated. Treatments for hypothyroidism, they get that thyroid hormone. Levothyroxine, very common thyroid hormone replacement. For hyper, they get antithyroid meds, maybe iodides, maybe radiated iodine and surgery. For complications for hypo, myxedema coma, for hyperthyrotoxic crisis or thyroid storm. So I hope this review was helpful for you guys. I will continue the endocrine series. And for those of you that are not into endocrine or don't find it interesting, don't worry, I'm not going to do them all in a row. I'll mix them up here and there. But I do want to cover the main endocrine disorders that you'll encounter. I think next we'll talk about Cushing's and Addison's because that's another one with mirrored like opposite uh, symptoms and effects. So take care, everyone. I did have an announcement and I have forgotten what it was. And that's what I get for not writing down notes and thinking that I can remember things. So we'll just close this out here. Thank you so much for visiting with me today. I love having you guys listen. I love your reviews and ratings on Apple iTunes and wherever else. It gives me great ideas for how I can improve the podcast. And I promise when I have time, when graduate school is done, I'm going to implement all y'all's great ideas. If there's something that you want me to talk about, please shoot me an email at mo at straightanursingstudent.com. Love hearing from you guys. And again, the boot camp. If it hasn't launched already because I'm recording this episode a few weeks prior to posting it, it will very soon. You can hear me talk all about it 
in the acute coronary syndrome podcast. So I'm not going to talk all about it here, just to say that if you go to the straightynursingstudent.com website, you can sign up for email updates. Okay, thank you, everyone. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media.